Podcast Live. I'm your host, Raphael Calamat, and I'm in Mississauga at Mindshare Workspace Podcast Studios and Office Space, our new wonderful partner. Obviously, Michael Bleakley with us every week from Vancouver at the Evolve Creative Solutions Agency. With us today, we have a very special guest. Uh, he's been with us before, and he's, in my opinion, one of the best analysts of the golf game right now. His name is Gary Williams. Welcome to the show. Guys, it's great to be with you. Look at us. We look like, you know, three guys <laughs> kicking back, talking about golf, ball caps on, you guys Titleist ping. I'm just representing Cherry Hills. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> you win for originality. <laughs> uh, these ping hats fit me the best, so I'm struggling. Uh, every time I get a Titleist hat on, it looks great in the store, and I get home and, and I uh, feel like, Ray Charles picked it out for me. So Honestly, right I, now, ping it I've is. I've got a huge problem in my house right now because I, I did play a, not a ton of golf, but I, I played some really nice places over the course of the summer. And I, I, I buy a hat every place I go because I, it's the easiest way for me to walk into a shop in a, in a very, very modest way, patronize the golf professional. My wife's like, what, what are you doing? How many hats do you need? Right. Which is kind of a trick question. Like, yeah. You know, and I, I don't, I don't like to throw them away either. They're ball no. caps, golf caps. Yeah. And no matter how rugged they get or chewed up, I want to keep them. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even if they don't fit well, you still hang on to it. So. You, yeah. It's a very hard, <laughs> purging hats is a very challenging exercise. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. we've got in a very exciting week coming up, Gary. Obviously, in your own backyard, we have the President's Cup. And there's been a lot of controversy surrounding this President's Cup with the players' picks. However, Quail Hollow uh, being so close to your home, you, we talked before the cast that it's about five, 10 minutes away. Tell us about the course your thoughts, not only on the setup, but with the way it plays. So we'll keep it simple. Uh, however, I know a lot of people have not played Quail Hollow, like Mike or myself. <laughs> so tell us about the course. Yeah, you know, guys, Quail is a, it's a, it's a really good story um, because the, the Harris family, which is a very prominent historical family here in the city of Charlotte, uh, owned a lot of land in this part of the city. Really, they owned a lot of land throughout the city but in what is called South Charlotte and, and literally right over my shoulder as the crow flies, Quail Hollow is about five minutes from our, from my home. Um, and it was, it was the home of the Kemper open uh, Tom Weiskopf who mm -hmm. recently passed had a lot of success at Quail Hollow and, and, and it's evolved a lot, not only as a club, but as a golf course as well, Arnold Palmer uh, gave some vision to the design of the golf course. Arnold had a very special relationship with Johnny Harris who has been the benevolent dictator of, of the club over the last more than a quarter century um, and remains so today as the president of the club. Uh, and Tom Fazio more recently has been really the designer in residence in terms of anything that's been done on the golf course since they created what was then the Wachovia championship in the early 2000s to present day with the Wells Fargo championship, including, you know, having the, the PGA championship there in 2017. Uh, they've done a lot of tweaking. There's been a lot of change mm -hmm. over the course of the years to this golf course. It is a, it's a, it's a big ball yard. Um, it, it's, it's going to play, they hope very, very fast. It's going to be different from what it normally is in May 
for the 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 Wadco or the Wells Fargo Championship because that's wall to wall ryegrass overseeded. They hold the rye. Uh, this is going to be Bermuda grass um, that is going to be hopefully as bouncy and as firm as and, and as fast as mm -hmm. it can be. I think that this competition is the best competition for this venue. I think it's obviously uh, a wonderful golf course for stroke play. They had the PGA Championship here. It's coming back again in a couple of years, but I think it's best suited for match play. Uh, I think that's going to be on display. They've reconfigured the way the holes are going to play out. Mm -hmm. uh, the green mile, which has always been 16, 17, and 18, will not be that. Uh, oh. It will actually be 14, 15, and or, or 13, 14, and 15, because they want to ensure that that stretch of holes is going to get played uh, through the lion's share of these matches. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have what is normally 10, and 11 and then nine are going to be 16, 17 and 18. So that's something that people are, have some familiarity with the golf course are going to have to kind of get their minds wrapped around. I think it's going to be, it's going to be set up for fireworks. And as I said, I think for match play, it's best that way because there's a lot of risk and reward, including a drivable four, uh, including, you know, the par five 15th, which is going to be the 13th hole. Um, I, I, I'm excited for everyone to see it under these conditions. And I also, as I was telling you guys before we got started, they had a budget of just over 10 million for corporate hospitality. Uh, they've quad quadrupled that number. Uh, this is the largest build out that the PGA Tour for any event that they've ever hosted, including, including the Players' Championship. You're gonna see, they built a city out there. It's insane. That's wow. great. That's great. Yeah. Well, the opening tee box you said is going to have around three thousand people uh, just yes. in the in the stands. That's not including who's standing around. There's there could be uh, close to ten thousand people around there, uh, perhaps. I'm not sure how big the area is outside of the stands, but yeah, maybe you could enlighten us there. Yeah, over the course of it, I, they will have three thousand in the structure itself. They actually, you can go in and look at a, a video rendering of what the the first tee is going to look like if, if you go to the President's Cup's website, they have for the first time bunker suites. So players are going to enter into what is almost like a coliseum setting. And at eye level or at ground level, there will be suites that will be below the stands that will be above. That's that will, amazing. That will, you know, house about 3,000 people. And then you consider each match a marquee match from tee to green. You could probably have 10,000 and they likely will have 10,000. You know, look, whistling straights have between 7,500 and 10,000 people in the first mm -hmm. hole from, from tee to green. And I expect Quail Hollow will have the same thing. Yeah, the energy around that tee box is going to be uh, second to none for, for, for a golf event. Uh, you know, it's not the same size as the uh, Phoenix Open, uh, no. uh, but uh, this is an international event. Everyone gets a little bit more passionate about this. And um, I'm curious about the original architect, George Cobb, yes. uh, you know, built the course and around 59, 60. Uh, Palmer jumped in in the early mid eighties and, and tweaked it. And, and how different uh, is it now that Fazio has reconstructed the course and, and really every few years, he seems to be coming back and, and, uh, and modifying. So how different do you find the course is now from its original uh, layout? No, Michael, I, 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 the routing is basically unchanged, but the holes themselves uh, are, are 
significantly different over the last 15 years. If you consider 20 years ago, the first hole was a very modest, pretty much straightforward, if not just, just a slightly uh, bending, really kind of more from an eye standpoint than it was actually the land moving uh, from left to right. Now it is a, it's a par five that, that gobbled up what was the previous second hole, which was a downhill par three. Um, and now the, the second hole used to be what was the third hole. The third hole is what used to be the fourth hole. And then the, the fourth hole is a par three that was created about a, about a decade ago that a lot of players do not like that green at all. It's got a lot of severe contour on it. It's not a short iron necessarily. Um, routing wise, like I said, it's, it's pretty similar. But mm -hmm. if you look at the holes in terms of what they optically look like 15, 20 years ago to what they look like today, uh, some, some pretty significant changes, including 16, which is a totally different hole, which plays all the way down. It's not going to be 16. For, this could be confusing because I'm thinking about these holes as they are during the regular tournament play. Right. The, 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 the hole that normally is the 16th hole, which is going to be the 13th hole, um, is, is a hole that used to be way up the hill, away from the water. Now it's down by the pond. Johnny Harris, I mentioned his name earlier. You know, look, Augusta National has gone through a lot of changes uh, over the decades. Yeah. Quella Hollow, similarly, <clears throat> is always tweaking, always wow. making changes, whether it be a contour of one solitary green from one year to the next or a total redo of a hole. So a lot of changes, guys, over the last two decades. Well, Gary, I'll tell you, uh, this American team is absolutely, as they say, stacked. Yeah. I'm going to read out some names so our listeners and viewers could get an opportunity to see the full roster. We got Patrick Cantlay, Sam Burns, Justin Thomas, Scotty Scheffler, and Xander Shoffley, Tony Finau, Cameron Young, Billy Horschel, Colin Morikawa, uh, Kevin Kisner, Jordan Spieth, Max Homa. Now, out of these players, Gary, which one kind of stands out to you? Uh, that will play well at this type of course? Like what type of player does this course suit? Uh, obviously they're the best of the best. They're all going to be able to play fairly well, uh, mm -hmm. but who has an advantage here out of that roster? You know, um, it's a really good question and, it, and it's not the easiest one to answer for a couple of reasons. One back to the, the constant change that the golf course has undertaken. And then also the time of the year, um, Justin Thomas won this one on this golf course when he won his lone major championship under the conditions that they're going to play on, uh, th this coming week. And, and that is with wall-to-wall -wall Bermuda grass. Max Homa has won on this golf course during the month of May when it's been similar to what Augusta National presents agronomically with it being, you know, sticky wall-to-wall overseeded ryegrass. So, um, I, I think those two guys are going to be just fine. I think the, the, one, of the, one of the pluses of Quail Hollow is that it doesn't necessarily discriminate towards style. If you look at historically who has won there, Tiger won there. Rory has had great success there. You know, a guy like Jim Furyk has a great record at Quail Hollow, and Jim Furyk is not a long – he's a tactician. So I, I think it, it lends itself uh, to, to being very amenable – to a lot of different styles. But with respect to the American side, I think Justin Thomas should like this place a lot. 
One, because he's won there, but two, but the presentation, there's a lot of width to the golf course. It allows you uh, to use driver, which I, I've always believed is, is one of his best weapons. Um, and I also think that some of these younger guys, I was having a conversation with Colin Morikawa two weeks ago out in San Francisco, and he is, he's never seen Quail Hollow. Just because mm, right. of scheduling and circumstance, he had not played the, the Wells Fargo Championship. I think Colin's going to like the golf course a lot because he's such a great iron player. And again, Jim Furyk's a wonderful iron player. I, I, I think of Colin in a similar ilk. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I think that there are a lot of players, and that includes the international side. They're going to find this place uh, to their liking, not to mention Davis Love and the American side. He's not going to set this up. Uh, to be penal. They want a lot of birdies. Uh, right. There's not going to be a lot of rough. This is going to be wide open as far yeah. as playing style. Yeah. I love and, the fact that, you know, uh, Davis Love was talking about it not being set up like a U.S. Open. And why would you want it set up that way? It's really, you know, it's a team competition. We want to see birdies. It makes it more exciting and it's a lot more fun to watch. And with so many young players, as you so uh, nicely put, uh, you don't have the veterans, you don't have the Mickelsons on there and you don't have Tiger Woods. And it's, it's nice to see the younger crop of players because on the European side, or I should say the international side, I'm so used to talking Ryder Cup, yes. but the international side, you know, Hideki Matsuyama would be the only, you know, elder statesman out of that whole group as well. Um, because it's all young guys who are out there. And I yeah, think this yeah, I would add Adam Scott, you know, Adam. Adam, yes. Yeah, Yeah, he would be, you know, he's the one guy who, and what's interesting about the international side is that, look, I, I it, it's really unfortunate that, that you know, when we get to the event, we're going to talk about who's there and who's not, but we're not there yet. So we can, we can talk about it because it's, it's, it's a significant storyline, the absence of these great players, starting with Cam Smith. Uh, but one of the things that I think will benefit the international side, and they need some intangibles, they need some things uh, that, that they can lean on, is that a lot of these guys have not been bloodied. They've not been bludgeoned exactly. by, by the record of, of what has happened over the last couple of decades. And I think that the, the American side, which has made a big pivot in terms of you talked about the roster of players. Those guys have not experienced a lot of loss. The, the, the players who did, uh, even though Dustin played great at Whistling Straits, he was the oldest player for the Americans uh, at the last Ryder Cup. Uh, and, and guys like Zach Johnson and Matt Kuchar ha have been ushered out of the system from a playing standpoint. All they knew was loss. And right. a lot of international players like Louis Oosthuizen, and to a lesser degree, a Mark Leishman, uh, but it was Charles Schwartzel, um, Adam is kind of the lone survivor. Hideki right. obviously has got a lot of experience. These guys don't have that scar tissue. Yeah, they that's not, right. And I think that that is something that Trevor can rally around. Uh, he's got a lot of enthusiasm. He's got a lot of talent. Um, and I think that that will serve them well. Yeah. I think the absence uh, of um, expected players to be on these teams, yeah. and we'll, we'll get to that after, but uh, it's opened up a lot of opportunity, right? Because mm. both you look at both of these teams and there there is fantastic young players on each side. And like, I totally agree They're, They don't have the, the, the battle wounds uh, that some of the uh, senior players have. So I think we've got a fresh fight here. And like the Americans, as usual, look stacked on paper, maybe slightly ahead of this international team. But once you get down in, inside the ropes, you don't know how this is going to play out. So everybody there wants to win. 
Um, so, so I, I, I'm excited to see, and I, I think, especially in the PGA tour side, even if a few more players decide to switch, uh, tours, there's a whole crop of young guns coming in underneath them. So we're, we're just going to see more and more great young talent over the next few years. I think is that tiger effect, uh, still produces, uh, players because there's still a lot to come. But look, uh, I, I think that the tiger's effect on golf. Um, as much as we, we, we spend time looking at, at, at the moment and you go, well, I don't get it. Like, well, first of all, he spawned an entire generation of players who are now winning major championships. And mm-hmm. there are, that, that next wave um, of, of impact. And again, I, I know that we focus primarily on the elite level of the game and the players who are playing at the professional level. Uh, his impact is is so profound, but, but you're right. Um, you know, you can look at any nation and 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 find somebody inspired uh, by him, and and that's why I think the the Americans not only because of of the, the generation of player that we now see that is kind of making up the the lion's share of this roster, they also have a camaraderie that I think the previous generation and and unfortunately. Tiger created it not by not on purpose, but merely by his existence. He was such a presence that it almost made it harder for young players to have to partner with him. Uh, if you look at him mm-hmm. historically, he played with a yeah. lot of veteran players starting in '97 yeah. at Valderrama on that on that first uh, Ryder Cup team when it was Marco Mira who he already had that relationship with, and you know whether it was Steve Pate or Payne Stewart. It was always veterans. It was, it was like, God, you can't put a young guy with him. It would be overwhelming. It'd be suffocating. Mm-hmm, um, yep. and, and one of the things that I think has happened that has allowed the United States from a golf, golf USA standpoint to make a big pivot is the fact that he is now intellectually and emotionally invested in these properties, the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup in a way he wasn't previously. And, and now he's got all these players that he, he spawned uh, to be who they, who they are individually, who have a camaraderie that just that didn't exist, why, which is why I think, and I'm not, this is not me being pro-American, it's just my right. observation, why I think it's going to be very challenging for the international side, who I thought if they were in full breath of, of who could have been on the side, could have given the United States all that they could handle may have, I may have even made him a favorite. Um, but I think that it's, it's going to be very tough sledding over the next six to eight years uh, with this core group of American players. They're just so interchangeable. And if you look at the guys, I mean, look at Cantley and, and, and Shoffley. Hmm. I mean, you, you can put, you can just tether them together for the next 10 years. Same yeah. thing with Sam Burns and Scotty Scheffler, same thing with Justin Thomas and Jordan Spee. Whereas, the, the United States has wrestled with who does Phil play with and who does Tiger play with right. the last 25 right. years. Those days are over. And yeah. it was a disaster when they were paired together. It didn't yep. work out very well. Yeah. You, did, you didn't see the synergy, but there's something to be said about the American team. And there, it's not to be biased at, at all, Gary. I think you said it very well. The Americans are always favored statistically on paper as individuals. They thrive on Sundays, usually in the individual pursuit uh, but, but I think they've grown as a team. The big problem 
uh, not so much with the European team, but with the President's Cup team, is the international players. We have Japanese and North Korean players that aren't, aren't able to communicate. So Trevor Admelman has a big challenge uh, to deal with, with players actually interacting and feeling comfortable together. Tom Kim coming onto the scene basically out of nowhere, but he's just been playing so well. It's incredible. Obviously, we've got to give kudos to Corey Connors. We're Canadian, so we're so proud yes. to see, uh, you know, someone outside of Mike Weir playing on an international team with Taylor Pendrith being a captain's pick. Very exciting. And you know, Mike Weir on the uh, assistant captains list too, yes, right? We, absolutely, we, uh, it's, it's wild. It's big. It's, it's, it's big for, for us, us. Canadians because you know, we're their household uh, names out here, and a lot of Americans don't know who Taylor Pendrith or Corey Connors is, but they've uh, they're doing very well. Uh, Adam Scott, as you mentioned, uh, sort of the senior on the team, uh, playing a role as a leader, I, I believe. Uh, Munoz and Kim Davis, uh, Lee and Ryan, I guess rounding night it out is somebody I can't pronounce the name. Bazazenhout is that? Is that Christian Bazazenhout? <laughs> Uh, who I think, yeah, who I think, guys, and, and look, when you get down to 10, 11, 12, first of all, I, I've, never, I've never subscribed to this idea that somebody has been snubbed. If you snub somebody who was automatically going to be on the team and somehow you find a, a reason to, to punt them, uh, that's being snubbed. If you don't make the side and somebody, look, they're picking a team. They're trying to construct a team. And I heard, you know, whether it was Ryan Fox uh, or, or, you know, a couple other Canadians that, that could have been on this team, Mackenzie Hughes, Adam Hadwin. Yeah. Look, I would have been fine with any one of them, but I, I don't like the idea that Ryan Fox was snubbed. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. Trevor Umman is, is constructing a team. And let me get back to the point that I'm, I'm trying to make by setting it up. Christian Besedenhout to me is a, a great pick. Um, mm. and, and you can say, well, he's South African. So what? I, I, right. and, and first of all, Trevor's got an affinity for him. They have a relationship. I have, I've talked to Trevor about this. He is very bullish on him as he should be. This is a young man who has major championship experience mm-hmm. in all four majors. He has won seven times around the world. He, and not to mention his personal story of perseverance and overcoming yeah. the challenges he had uh, as a young boy, the fact that he didn't die uh, mm. accidentally when he was poisoned. Uh, I, 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 look, he is a wonderful player and, and think that he can be a great asset, not only at Quail Hollow, but in the, in the coming years on this international side. Well, you know, one of the things that we do here is talk about funny stories, lighten things up. You know, Mike and I had the experience of going to the 2007 President's Cup. I used to be assistant professional over at that club uh, back in 2002 and going back as media in 2007 for CGAD 800 AM. You know, we experienced a lot of funny things. And uh, you talked about Tiger uh, playing with Charles, uh, Charles Howell it was really interesting to see them uh, really be close and play right at that period in time. And Mike and I always experienced funny comments on that Wednesday, Thursday from those two guys. But what I'm going to talk about is what happened to Woody Austin. Uh, on uh, number, I believe it's uh, 16 with the water on the left. I was standing and... right there when that happened too, so, but go on. And I, I know that pond really well, and it, it is, it's a drainage pond, basically. It's, it's 
pretty gross. You know, if you're going to fall in that pond, it's the worst pond on the whole property. You know, 350 acres of land, and he had to pick that spot to fall on. And uh, so that's my most memorable moment from a President's Cup, him being tagged as Aquaman, rightfully so, and him the next day wearing those those goggles on his face as he walked up the fairway. It was a lot of great fun and a good memory. So when I mentioned that, Gary, uh, any memories uh, from a President's Cup that were funny or embarrassing? Uh, well, uh, you know, Paul Tesori has had a great run as the caddy for Webb Simpson, including when he won that U.S. Open in 2012 at, at Olympic. But prior to caddying for, for Webb, he caddied for Vijay Singh. And he infamously was the one who, who put the message on his back, Tiger Who, Mm-hmm. Uh, at the President's Cup at, at the Robert Trent Jones Club. Um, and, and this was when, you know, VJ in 2004 had one of the great years in, in the modern era of professional golf. Uh, but, but Paul got a little bit too far out over his skis. And, and Tiger, who, you know, he, he does not take uh, stuff like that. When, it, when, it, when I say he doesn't take it well, he takes it exceptionally well in that it fuels him into performing yep. at a level. Uh, Stephen Ames can certainly answer to that. When you slight <laughs> him in any possible way, the bludgeoning that is coming forth uh, to that particular person uh, is borderline inhumane. That is one. But really, you know, guys, look, this competition has been very one-sided, but not in terms of, of, in terms of the bottom line and the ledger of wins and losses it has. But there have been some great moments. I, I thought South Africa with Ernie Els and Tiger in the playoff right. um, was, you know, when, when, when those two guys made that putt, when Tiger made the putt he made, which was double breaking in the dark, you're going, he'll make anything, anywhere, anytime, any circumstance. I, I, you know, the, the, the competition has had great moments. I just hope that I, – I just hope that the quail and that these 24 players – produce it again because i thought after royal melbourne which was fabulous theater and it was in my estimation didn't think it then in 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 completeness but thought in all likelihood it was tiger's last competitive uh you know president's cup and likely team competition and now i i think that's a virtual certainty um i thought he played artistic golf that week i thought it was great to see him partnering with justin thomas I just, I want moments like that. Look, the Aquaman moment with Woody <laughs> can never be replicated, even though there's a fair amount of water around Quail Hollow. Right. Uh, <laughs> that, that I can watch that over and over and always still authentically laugh. Do you feel it's it supersedes good. his moment of bending a putter over his head? That, well, that's just, <laughs> that's just martyrdom at, at only a Woody Austin level. Um, I've never seen, uh, yeah, the self-harm that Woody has inflicted on himself is humorous. Uh, but that, no, the Aquaman Man moment is the number one right. moment. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, that's like, we don't have enough match play in golf, I, I, I believe. And, you know, we have the uh, WGC event, which never really guarantees a, a dramatic finish. You, you could get a, a boring Sunday. And, but when you get to President's Cups and Ryder Cups, the emotions get involved and you see players uh, like David Duvall, 
uh, you know, putting his hand up around his ear, screaming to the crowd. Like he was so reserved and quiet and, you know, but you see the, the different things happen. Uh, Boo Weekly riding a driver down the, down the, the first tee box. Like it looked a little goofy, but you wouldn't see that in a normal event because emotions get involved and these players do unique things. And uh, from a spectator point of view, um, there's a lot more on the line than there is on, uh, on an average PGA tour event, you know, barring majors and whatnot, but you, it's like, it's similar to like a prize fight in some ways, depending on the matching and, and it's fun. And, and like to throw back to the old seven president's cup that Raf and I were both at like standing on the range on Tuesday when there, there's nothing to play for, but all these, uh, teammates, they're swapping clubs. I saw Mike, we were hitting right-handed shots, uh, Howell and Woods are, um, you know, playing with each other's golf balls, uh, you know, testing out different equipment and, and, and all that. And you never will ever see that in a tour event. So it, it's just, it's a unique experience. So uh, spectators, you've got to get out there on a Tuesday and uh, on Wednesday and just hang out at the range and, uh, and watch these guys. Cause it's fun. It's, it's very unique, but and, it is. And it's, yeah. it's, you know, you, you, you mentioned, you know, it's like a prize fight and it is in the sense that it is, it's the only golf competition that is, that is legitimately confrontational. And I mean that in a modest way, but it exists. Mm -hmm. There's friction there. It is, it is, it's not only the strategy, the whole, but it is the competition uh, against the other person or the other two players uh, that you're playing against. And, and certain players are better suited for a confrontational environment. I'll give you a perfect example of somebody who wasn't, who is a Hall of Fame player, was, was Ben Crenshaw. His mm -hmm. Ryder Cup record is abysmal. And, yeah. and, and by the way, his playoff record is equally as bad. He was 0-9. Reason? Wow. He hates confrontation. He's like right. the nicest guy in the world. Um, yeah. So he, he, it, was not, it was not suited for him to be in that type of environment. Now, substitute him for Seve Ballesteros or Paul Azinger or Patrick Reed, who, who is totally comfortable with discomfort or, or yeah. this sense of tension that exists between you and, and you know, the person you're playing. Some people thrive and some people don't. And, and that's why I think it's, it's one of the great events that we get in the game. Uh, and you're right, get out there early. And, and these players who are out there, you know, they're playing with their teammates. I love practice rounds of these competitions. I love seeing assistant captains uh, out there strategizing. I like camaraderie. I, it reminds me of, you know, we, we, we all get together with buddies and we have these kind of quote international or Ryder Cup or President's Cup kind right. of you know, <laughs> mock-up events that we have. And we wear these stupid uniforms yeah. and we look like each other. And we're complete, you know, buffoons. <laughs> it's, it's the essence of fellowship. Right. I mean, it's, I mean, it's in, and that is something that I think that as much as these players make now, and I don't begrudge them a, for a second, uh, whatever it is they earn, they earn. Um, but but these guys wouldn't give up these weeks because it's it's a week that can lend itself to fostering and creating a relationship like Patrick Cantley and Xander Shoffley, who had no relationship before they went to Royal Melbourne. And now yeah. what do they do? They, they vacation together. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, they, they go on trips with their wives uh, together and, and yeah. Patrick just recently got engaged. I mean, th that's what these weeks are. These, yeah. are. these are relationship building weeks for a lifetime. 
That, that's that's really well put. And I'd love to see one day the international team go against the European team. I'd, I'd like to see it mixed up cool. ever so once in a while. Um, and just a friendly reminder to our listeners and viewers, the trophy that you say, see is actually the old Canada Cup. And uh, you can see all the maple leaves uh, at the bottom of the cup. When you see it up close, it's, it's a beautiful trophy. It's one of the, I would say, the one, one of the nicest trophies in uh, sport. Uh, I, I like it better than, you know, the FedEx Cup uh, trophy. Yeah. Uh, so certainly, it's, it's very contemporary. And I remember when it came into existence, I didn't think it was all that special. Um, but there are some obviously beautiful trophies out there. And that's really one to, to, to see. Uh, Obviously, everybody knows the Stanley Cup and how it has presence. I yes. feel like this, this, this trophy has presence. <laughs> um, one of the things I wanted to just uh, finalize with is talk to you about, you know, which hole should we actually keep an eye out for where we'll see some action? Obviously, the par threes, but are any other holes uh, something we should keep an eye on? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that, you know, again, the way that this golf course has been reconfigured, they're going to play one through eight in, in, in its proper order. And then they're going to, they're going to move, which was um, the, the regular 12th hole will be the ninth hole. Um, and then the 10th hole, which is used to be the 13th hole. Um, the 11th hole, I think will be a fabulous viewing hole. There's a huge build out for that hole. That is a drivable par four that has the lake that, that, that whole 11, 12, 13, and 14 play around this big lake. And so uh, to me, 11, 12, 13, um, and 14, the, the, the noise that is going to be reverberating from, from match to match around the lake there is going to be something that I, I think NBC and Golf Channel uh, will do a great job with drone footage and some of their crane cameras um, because the sound's going to be backing, it's going to be bouncing back and forth like a volley across the net, uh, across that lake. But 11 to me, you know, you, the, the, the short drivable four is a very vogue, uh, design right now in, in, you know, mm -hmm. at every level of golf, I've, I've always felt that that hole was, was one of the better ones because you, you take on the lake, um, the closer you decide to, to, to take on that green off the tee. And I remember seeing, some uh, tiger uh the year that he won it flew it on that green he hit a high cut over the trees on the left took it over the lake um rory has hit that green uh you can you can you can move it in either direction there's a couple greenside bunkers it's a narrow entry i think 11 is going to be great i think 12 which is a uh plays uphill on the second par five uh also uh will be you know great theater and then 13 uh, as well uh, will be will be fantastic. And then if you go to the you know the holes on the front, seven seven is a beautiful hole uh, with some of the most prized real estate in terms of homes that are down the right hand side. There's a creek that runs all the way down the right hand side. Uh, Rory's had some great moments there. Tiger's had Tiger made eagle there uh, a year in which I think he won it. Um, and that's, you know, a very, very gettable par five and then eight's another drivable four. So mm -hmm. I, to me, those are the holes, when, particularly when you add a partner, um, there's going to be a lot of fireworks on those holes. There's going to be a lot of Eagles made. They're going to be Eagle putts yeah. on those back-to-back -back holes. So you've nice. got, 
you've got a, a short five followed by a drivable four on the front, and then you've got a drivable four followed by an eagle available par five on the back. Those Great. two, which come in like a 90-minute stretch, will be fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, I love a drivable par four on a golf course. I think it uh, bodes well for competition, uh, even as amateur golf. Uh, I think sure. it's, it's yep. great. Arnold Palmer, it's one of his signatures to, to always have one in his design. Uh, and, you know, he, he he's designed a lot of golf courses. He knows what he's doing. So it I bodes think well I for our golf game, Mike. Uh, you know, we only hit it about 265 on the you <laughs> yeah, know, downhill, good. downwind. You play forward enough, it becomes drivable. <laughs> right, there you go. So, But Gary, what do you think about the captains and how, how do they stack up against each other? I mean, both uh, tremendous careers and Emmelin in love. Uh, how do you think this will play out to, in terms of their strategies? And You know, Michael, I, I, you know, I think it's, it's really interesting to examine both these guys because one is that the, this is twilight of his captaincing mm. career, and that would be Davis Love. And for Trevor Immelman, um, you know, this is, you know, this is his baptism. And I, I think mm -hmm. it's, you know, Trevor is embarking on a phase of his life that he didn't see coming uh, this early, which was not competitive golf, but calling golf. And he's now the lead analyst for CBS going into the new year. I think he's going to have an opportunity, whether it's immediately or may, or whether it be, you know, four years down the road, six years down the road. I don't think this will be the only international side that he captains. I think that, mm -hmm. you know, if you consider that the, the deck being stacked, not only being on the road, but, but all the circumstances surrounding it. Um, and I will tell you that, that for both of these guys, it's no surprise that their personal ties for Davis to Quail Hollow and the state of North Carolina went to school um, at the University of North Carolina. He lived in Charlotte. His father obviously was a golf professional. Uh, but Trevor has a lot of personal ties uh, to this town as well. Trevor has a, one of his closest friends and maybe his mentor in life is a gentleman named Rich Davies, who lives mm -hmm. on the 15th hole, the regular mm -hmm. 15th hole. It'll be the 12th hole uh, during the President's Cup, the par five. Rich is a South African gentleman who's been very successful in commercial real estate. Um, and so Trevor's parents lived in Charlotte. Uh, Trevor has spent a lot of time here. He's, he's got a real affinity for Clemson University, where Rich was a place kicker on the football team. Um, this is very personal and close for both of these guys. But one of them, this is likely the last one. And for the other right. one, it's his first and not likely uh, to be his last. Yeah. What I think will be interesting is, Davis Love has had such input into Team USA for more than a decade now. I don't expect him to go away. I don't expect him to captain any other team, Ryder Cup, mm -hmm. President's Cup. He got his second go around uh, and he kind of righted his wrong in 2016 at Hazeltine. Mm -hmm. um, but I do expect him to continue to have input uh, with Trevor. This is the beginning of what I think people are going to see is, is a highly intellectual guy who comes from a family of, of, of golfers, his father, yeah, Mark. Manitour, his, his brother, Mark was great instructor. Uh, Trevor has got a very high IQ, yeah. uh, very good thinker. Um, and I think he's going to comport himself in a way that, that people who, if you're following golf, you should know who the heck he is by now. Um, but I think you're going to see him in a, in a way that he's going to endear himself to a lot of people at mm -hmm. Quail Hollow. 
you know, Gary, we really appreciate your contribution to coming on our show and helping us grow for that matter, you know, and talking golf with somebody that has the amount of knowledge that you do with the amount of players and analysts and people in the business in general that have spent time with you, it shows in your demeanor and the way you're able to carry a conversation with any topic that's thrown at you in the world of golf. So we really appreciate that. If you're just joining us, we're with Gary Williams, former NBC CBS analyst and host over on the golf channel as well. Now with five clubs golf, you could always catch him on social media, whether it's on Twitter or on Instagram. Uh, Mike, did you want to mention a few things before we round things up? Well, as usual, if, uh, please subscribe, share, like uh, any of our channels. Uh, uh, every little one helps a lot, uh, as well as uh, follow Gary's channel, Five Clubs Golf, which is growing uh, quite well, Gary. Congrats on that. And, Thank uh, you. Uh, you got some new team members uh, to, to you want we, to we announce? Do. Well, yeah. yeah, we do. We, we are... You know, we are approaching a year for us and, uh, you know, like you guys, you know, it's, it's, it's about learning. It's about trying to grow. It's about trying to, you know, get better. It's interesting, Michael, you know, when you say subscribe, you know, like, uh, like, it's funny, the things that we say now <laughs> to, yeah. to advance, to advance our businesses. Yeah. Never yeah. in my life did I think to myself that I would be saying to people like me. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Uh, I remember when Facebook added that like button years ago, I'm like, oh, this is so strange, right? But yeah. now it's transcended into, you know, it's maybe called different names uh, and different platforms, but it's important right? when you have a, a, a <laughs> podcast and you have uh, 15 to 20 platforms that you're on and they all have their own algorithms. You've got to learn to optimize in the Apple store and the Google store and the internet and, and, and all of that. So it's, it's fun. Right. And, and we're, we're uh, approaching a year as well. Yeah. And we still don't have a producer. So we're trying to do this all on our own. It's uh, it's, you know, we thought content would be more important than production value at this point. And usually people go the opposite way and they just have horrible content. Uh, so, uh, you know, we want to get decent, <laughs> decent guests, decent, decent guests and have some fun with the show, not keep it uh, so serious, you know, uh, keep it light as well. And so uh, we appreciate you. Listen, yes, thank I, you, I appreciate you guys. I, I, you know, I, I, I try to read most everybody that I, that I follow. Uh, you guys have a sensibility that I greatly appreciate and respect. Um, you know, there, this is not about, you know, we all have, have things that we, we have a position, but I'd like to believe that it's not about taking sides. You just, you know, you have a thought, you fall one way on, on, on an issue or an opinion, uh, yeah. You guys have a sensibility that it's not about taking sides. It's about it's about trying to advance the game in in yeah. in, in ways yeah. that that we can all benefit. Because as much as we get consumed and consume content about just the best players in the world, there are a finite number of people, yeah. and in the lion's share, of the people who play the game um, will never play at the elite level. But it doesn't mean they don't care. Yeah. dearly about their own game and about the game at large and and you guys exhibit that uh, and I, I love coming on with you and I'm and and I look forward to a lot more conversations as we go forward thank All you right. very much Gary no Thanks, that's Gary. fantastic uh, we'll I always have a, appreciate your time <laughs> absolutely we'll have a great president's cup uh, say hello to everybody on your team and uh, for Gary Williams uh, Michael Bleakley I'm Raphael Calamat signing off saying thank you to our sponsors once again 
uh, Mindshare Workspace in Mississauga, Ontario, and ECS Agency out in Vancouver. You guys have a